and welcome to another episode of Special Advising, No Parent Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I have been an active member in the field of special education for 35 years as a classroom teacher, tutor, parent trainer, consultant, and advocate. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities as an informative hub and promoter for the advancement of people with disabilities in all areas of life. So if you're interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more, this is the place for you. And if you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. In this episode, I'd like to briefly speak to parents about never giving up on your child. Don't be quick to believe that the limitations and behaviors you witness at a young age are permanent or are resistant to the potential for improvement on a functional, more independent, more manageable level, enabling your child to become a productive, to varying degrees, member of your family and society. After that, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip, and your good news community share. Now let's open our minds and our hearts to another win. common concerns I hear from parents is uh, their fear that their child will not grow out of negative behaviors and not progress emotionally, cognitively, or develop abilities to manage and cope within their environment. That they will be stuck on the same perseverations, express the same demands, and possibly stay trapped in a cycle of meltdowns, tantrums, and stims. My belief, formed through years of observation and experience, informs me that it's not typically the case. I would never generalize this to everyone as each individual is different and to say otherwise would be misguided. That said, I do believe that everyone has the potential for growth. There may be a day when there is a ceiling reached and development in certain areas level off, but I strongly feel that any first impressions or early childhood observations need to be taken as a snapshot in time and not decided to be the whole story. I've seen too many kids sparkle and grow at varying ages when they are continually challenged and realistic expectations are put upon them. Growth potential exists for everyone and depends on the input they are receiving from parents, teachers, and the environment around them. As long as we are challenging our children, we will most likely see even incremental growth. The chances of Timmy perseverating on the demand that the water sprinkler be turned on at 10 years old, as he did when he was obsessing over it at 5 years old, are slim if we continue to expose him to new experiences and provide behavior modification plans to wean him off the sprinklers and onto things that can provide comfort yet hold some significance to successful functioning in, in his environment. There's growing awareness that risks, functioning, and resilience are not solely defined by genes and brains, but have a cultural and experiential component as well. That from the National Library of Medicine in an article entitled Developmental Diversity, putting the development back into research about developmental conditions. I know there can be a temptation to pigeonhole a three and four-year-old as a troublemaker, non-academic, or some other limiting label, and call it a day at the beginning of their lives. And I've seen it in action. I tuned into that early, almost as an outsider looking in on this world and finding some professionals and parents alike to be impatient with children that were going to challenge them to be better. It felt unfair to limit possibilities even before a child had the opportunity to show competence. What chance does a child have when the narrative being created so early takes root and follows them from year to year, grade to grade? 
this can become a built-in self-determinant. And this isn't limited to special education. It happens in regular ed, too. Depending upon how we choose to interact with our kids can mean the difference between the child that gets stuck in patterns, has a lackluster school experience until they graduate secondary education with limited skills and their families discover fewer options available to them, which increases the feeling of helplessness and actual helplessness within a system that can be difficult to negotiate under the best of circumstances. Or you have the child who, given the proper care and respect, opportunity and belief, are provided a chance to overcome those early barriers and catapult to greater increments of success as more socially appropriate, academic, or life skills tracked achievers with perhaps more options post high school, including possibly college or employment. Timely interventions are necessary for growth. From solve.mit.edu, early diagnosis is key for neurodivergent children. It lays the foundation for tailored interventions and support that can profoundly impact their education, development, and quality of life. Without timely identification and appropriate interventions, many neurodivergent children face significant challenges in achieving their educational goals and unlocking their full potential. Now, when we're willing to look at each individual child as important and worthy of our efforts, the sooner a diagnosis is found, the sooner resources can be allotted and growth can be sparked. Again, everyone is different and thus growth will look different for everyone. Do yourself a favor and never compare your child to anyone but themselves. It's really a waste of energy and it won't benefit your child or your efforts. In my years as a provider, I've had the pleasure of meeting families I would soon be working with whose children were ages 16 to 18. The fear then was that it might be too late to correct certain negative behaviors that had been ingrained. And to this I say, nah, it's doable. Starting with the belief that it can happen, and then having the proper resources, first of those being a provider who believes and is willing to do what's necessary. And just an aside here, perhaps you weren't able to get a provider or even knew how to get one when your child was young. For those starting out and wanting more information, check out my website and resources for information on advocates and your rights. After the providers, then comes a commitment from you, the family, to do the work that will be needed on the front end. Consistency, time, patience, and the gift of assumed competence. I've been confronted with scenarios where a teen nearing adulthood bit everything when frustrated, destroying many objects during his meltdowns or desperation to control his body and environment. And another teen who physically raged when upset and hurt family members and themselves because the communication system was ailing at home. I've had clients who never raised a hand to contribute to the home and the family and was allowed for fear of meltdowns to be left undisturbed or otherwise risk awaking the sleeping giant within. These families were running out of options and as they perceived it, time. But I'm here to tell you that it's never too late. For providing structure, a sense of predictability with flexibility, rewards, schedules, and expectations insofar as how one can act more socially appropriate and take on responsibilities such as chores, providing a rich sensory environment, and teaching your child about options when they are confronted with difficult feelings. Daily exercise and good nutrition can be life-changing. Don't give in to the inevitable thoughts of your child being unable to grow. Believe, and as my recent guest Diana Pastora Carson says, assume competence. I'd like to close with some quotes from William Lane, a special education consultant, 
which are directed at teachers, but I believe apply to parents and all caretakers who want to see their child grow and mature. It is important to speak with and listen to your individual students to see how they can be better supported. What you do does matter. What you do does make an impact. Even the little things and the smallest accommodations can truly make a difference. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. If you're looking for a way to help your child have their clothes ready for the school week, try using a five-shelf jumbo hanging storage closet organizer. Your child can help select their clothes and pile them neatly into the organizer with the days labeled. Each morning, all your child has to do is take the clothes out and get dressed. This helps to reduce the amount of time it would normally take to select clothes, which can end up cutting into the morning routine and throwing the day off. And by including your child, they can feel a sense of pride with their wearing because they had some input. And you can rest easy knowing that you've reduced the chances of a tantrum or a meltdown. Today's Good News Community Share comes from fortworthreport.org and is entitled, Down Syndrome Advocate Changes the Narrative Through Public Speaking Skills Rare to Those with Her Disability, by Sandra Sedek. Lauren Fairchild had her first lesson in professionalism and public speaking from her aunt when she was eight. She would watch her aunt, who worked as a corporate trainer, create videos for marketing products that the company manufactured. She admired her aunt and started to mirror her movements. Lauren, who has Down syndrome, slowly would develop a passion for entertaining others and later, advocacy through public speaking. Now 25, Lauren is using those skills on a bigger stage. As someone with Down syndrome, she's an advocate for those with the same condition. Her public speaking efforts highlight that those with Down syndrome can lead the same successful lives as those without. I want to tell parents, it's okay that your kid has Down syndrome, Lauren said. You don't need to worry as much. While Lauren is passionate about speech and educating people on living with Down syndrome, her hobbies outside of work are similar to those of her age. She likes to swim, take Zumba classes, and go out with her friends. It used to be that when people had a disability, they were hidden. And Lauren's not. We're not ashamed of anything. And we don't need to be ashamed of anything because she's remarkable. She truly is, says her grandmother and legal guardian, Cletter Fairchild. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, an outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children, while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and, if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising and on my website, specialadrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. 
You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. If you'd like to share some of your success stories with the audience, please send them to my email. Let's show the world what's possible. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. Oh, 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 o